Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Firon. Some practices entail pursuing a musical instrument and seeing where it takes you in life indefinitely. This is Andy Forster in his trumpet. I kidded with him in this conversation that from the moment he chose the trumpet, the trumpet chose him. And everywhere he's gone in the last nearly 40 years with his trumpet, as a virtuoso performer, but also an extraordinarily gifted educator, that trumpet has served him well, and he has made the trumpet sound like it's being played by the angels. (laughs) So I'm building him up a bit here, but I really admire everything Andy means to uh, education in Maine, and particularly to now, since it's been 34 years in one high school, to thousands of rural Maine uh, youth who uh, whose first instrument may or may not have led them all the way up to today, but some have, and all of them learned to believe in themselves and in teamwork and in the music, despite any of the obstacles they had to overcome even to get to school in that rough country. So here is a really fine friend, Andy Forster. Well, have any of my listeners ever heard of music? (laughs) Yes, uh, everyone has heard music, heard of music. But this conversation with Andy Forster, who is a music educator, in Maine, central Maine, and an old, old family friend, uh, is why we're likely to hear music five and 10 years from now coming out of the, what school district, Andy? Uh, Mesolonsky. See, I I knew my short-term memory is gonna (laughs) fail me. The Mesolonsky School District. Uh, which, from my recollections, having lived in Western Maine, and that's where I knew Andy and his family, was uh, uh, a way out there. So that when you're hearing music that comes from uh, the music education program at Bessalonsky, uh High School, uh, you'll be hearing rare sound indeed. But Andy, let me stop by asking you, in the how many years, 30 some years that you've developed that program at that at that location, have you had some of your kids go on to practice music professionally? Um, yeah, I'm so this fall I'm starting uh year 34 yeah. uh, in the school district. And I've had a number of students uh, over the years go out and become teachers. Um, Several of them become teachers and some of them um, remain close in the, in the music industry. And some of them have uh, followed the technological path. I've got a 
a student out in LA right now who is uh, one of the top um, uh, mixing uh, pro professional mixers for uh, film and uh, does a lot of shows for Netflix and everything. So wow. he was a great, great musician that, that we had. And he was always interested in the, uh, the technology side, which I also teach. Yeah. Um, and, I, and it was evolving all the 34 years that you were there, you know, for, oh, yeah. uh, I think way back to then, uh, what was the internet? What was, uh, you know, what was a mixer? <laughs> it was, it was a drink, <laughs> uh, but I, I, you know, there were mixing going on back then, but certainly not one that you could send the results through uh, the web and have it re be received by someone else doing the next step, uh, do it all electronically. And, and folks, I want you to think about small, small, small town, wherever you are, uh, a, a bit off the main road and think about these kids come from uh, little towns, uh, Rome and China, for example, uh, which are main towns. And what are some of the other towns? Uh, Belgrade. So you got the, the Belgrade, Belgrade area which is and, uh, and Sydney. Sydney. There you go. Now, Belgrade has a lot of people from, uh, Memorial Day to Labor Day, and and, yeah, and then there's hardly anyone living there except the people who do live there year round, and they send kids to your school. So I think the fact that someone uh, has reached the point that your former student has in LA is great uh, testimony to, uh, I think, the very close and careful and and even loving teaching that you're known for, Andy. Uh, and others in your school, but particularly the attention you've been able to give over the years. And, and, and isn't that one of the best results of a teacher that maybe you're going to be in a brass ensemble uh, in a month or two and in comes one of your former brass players says, I'm joining. <laughs> Is that okay? You know? And yeah, that's cool. Well, it is, it is kind of cool. Um, uh, it's all the connections Um it's hard uh, being in uh, the job for this long. It's hard not to uh, have a connection with people. I meet like I we just finished um, the Acadia Wind Ensemble performance um, this last weekend. And that's a group of uh, let's see, this year was about 85 music educators from mostly Maine. But there were some uh, folks from uh, different uh, states also. But it's uh, something we do once a year. And I just. Um, as I was welcoming people, I'm I'm standing on the podium looking around and I often ask questions, you know, how many of you, this is your first first time being with us and how many yeah. of you have been, been here all 12 seasons? And I'm looking around, I'm like, okay, that person's student taught with me, that person's student taught with me, that person was a student of mine and here's three members of the group that were in Mid-Maine Youth Orchestra with me and um, it, it, it is kind of wild, it's 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 crazy but you know it, you're uh the the band director at Skowhegan uh was a student when i first started and <laughs> she's, she's family you know we're all family and music connects us um in ways that pretty much uh, nothing else can you know it it really is it is spe spectacular there's a there's a couple of people in this ensemble who are residents of florida um, but like a lot of people in Florida, they come to Maine for for uh, the hot season to cool off. Yeah. 
Yeah. And they're both remarkable musicians. They're just, they're outstanding. And they say, we play all over the place. We play in Naples and we play all over Florida. When we're in Maine, we're, we're playing down in New York and everything. But they said, this group is the high point of our year because wow. it, feels, it feels like family. And, you know, that kind of says it all. When, um, when people arrived for, for that event, from with all those different um, backgrounds and skills um how do you get how do you get the coalesce so well it seems to me that particularly the highly active and professional musicians like you are with your trumpet can join into a particular event make sure the charts help you know if you can read to see what they're going to play and you very likely already know the music but then without too much rehearsing, boom. I mean, it just sounds like you've been playing together forever. What's the magics in that or the super sauce that gets musicians to be able to come together that well, that fast? Well, that's a little bit hard to quantify, but it yeah, is. It's magic. That's very unique. Um, and I, I think it's just a testament to um, how much we understand that uh, we can have our individual individuality, uh, mm -hmm. but we know that when we're part of an ensemble, we have to contribute in ways that means that you have to be listening totally across the group. Um, you have to take your interpretation and make sure it melds with the person nearby, the person across the section. And we all have to watch the conductor. We have to agree on tempos. We have to agree that, you know, who's, Who's got the primary material in the section that we're playing? Who's got the supportive material? And a lot of that's listening skills that's developed over time. But it really is remarkable when when you can sit down and on the first first moment that, you know, all of these individuals coming together and it, it's just an amazing experience when all of a sudden we sound as one. And a bunch of us were talking or we were looking across the stage. And um, I think this year was maybe the most diverse group of musicians that we've ever had. And it's it's really it's just wild. You know, I I've, I made a posting on our site uh, thanking everyone the other day. It took me a while to kind of formulate it because, you know, we finished. <laughs> And I'm just so I can't sleep after we had this event. I'm just my my brain has just gone on fire. And I'm like, well, how do I put into words what I'm feeling? And it took me a day and a half to kind of do it. But I kind of said, I said, you know, um, it's the only maybe the only place in life on, on this stage performing the way we did. It's the only place in life where two plus two equals greater than four. Yeah, exactly. When we come together. When we come together and. And um, and I said to them, I said, look, music doesn't care about your politics. Music doesn't care about religion, doesn't care about your sexual preference, doesn't care about your economic status, doesn't care about your ethnicity. And th that list can go on and on and on. Mm -hmm. when we come together. We are collective as one. And our purpose is far beyond any of those other things that are barriers in normal life. But. When we're together on stage, the barriers are gone because we're all there for one purpose. And and that makes music such a powerful and amazing place to be. I said that, you know, 
the emotions that we go through. We music takes you through uh, everything from ecstasy to deep, dark, and profound sadness. Yeah, but you you travel that journey with everyone, and it's it's really. It's uh yeah, it's a life changing thing. Every time we do this, it's like, oh my goodness, we got all this work to do. We got this. We got to get hotels, we get caterers, got to get air airfare for our guest conductor and all this. And like, oh man, oh, it's so much work. And then we let's get to not do it this year. You know, yeah, you, you like, can't imagine do it, saying let's not do it this year. Yeah. yeah, and then we get there, and everybody's like, this is like the most amazing experience, and and it is, it is. Yeah, you know, it took me a day and a half to try to put words to it. Where did you where did you uh, do it this year? Um, we had been scheduled for my school, and unfortunately, um, we had some major uh, maintenance uh, work being done, and the biggest project was three and a half weeks behind schedule, and it was oh, on. Oh, gee, now there you go. So, just to <laughs> so have that moment that you created, there's all yeah. these things that could get in the way. Yeah. And so. <laughs> A week, a week and a half before the event, we had to move venues. Wow. So fortunately, my my buddy who teaches over at Lawrence and Fairfield, he, uh, he agreed. And that was really the only stage big enough to hold us uh, in in this central main region. Um, we would have had to uh, significantly change distance, which means changing caterers, changing hotels, all of that stuff. So. Uh, we were very fortunate that they came through for us on that, but it, uh, I'm, I'm still, uh, on a high from that weekend. So. Oh, you should be. And, and it, you know, it reinforces the idea that you, you, you musicians, uh, locally or worldwide are a community and, uh, you make a lot of connections because that's what it takes to, to be able to sit in front of an audience and perform. But and I know you're active as as a leader among the music educators in Maine, but having a buddy who has an has a stage with a week and a half with all these people converging is part of the benefit of all the work you put into everything, Andy, isn't it? Uh, having those connections and people you can call on in a pinch and and get that kind of result. Absolutely. We're a very close-knit community, you know. As you know, the the state of Maine it's a it's a, geographically a very large state, oh, yeah. uh, population wise, uh, you know, comparable to much 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 smaller regions, and it's uh, it's just it's it's really uh, it's it's challenging all the isolated places in Maine where you know it it might be difficult to teach music. It might be difficult as a teacher um, to be so isolated. But yet we can all come together. And I think that also makes it a special, special event because a lot of these teachers uh, don't have a performing outlet for themselves other than maybe their their local churches um, mm -hmm. or some local groups that they might play in community groups. Um, but certainly not an 85 piece ensemble that's playing really, really high level literature. Wow. That's that's amazing. Uh, I'll take the. Uh, microscope and pointed a different way now. Uh, I think before we started the recording, I we talked a little bit about um, you following your trumpet all more than thirty four years, all the way back through college and all the way back through 
through high school where you and my son and sometimes my daughter played in in several bands. Uh, the trumpet is and Andy seem to be if you were thinking of either one, you have to put the other together. And uh, I ask you because you were in a very small rural area, uh, Farmington, Maine, you know, how did you and the trumpet first meet? <laughs> so tell that story again, because it's really sure. cool. So my my brother and sister are both older than me. My brother, eight years older and my sister, six years. So they were doing high school things when I was in elementary school. So mm -hmm. um, I just remember seeing my brother and his friends and uh, in the high school marching band and and jazz playing jazz and playing the marching stuff. And one of my brother's best friends was a trumpet player. And one of my sister's best friends was a, also a trumpet player. And I just remember going to see the marching band. And um, uh, I, the, the thing that I remember is my brother's friend walked out in front of the group because he had a, a little short solo, but he was by himself in front of the group with a really cool looking uniform and <laughs> he's playing a solo. I'm like, oh man, I would love to do that. So it just happened to be trumpet. So um then of course it was it was time for me to to pick up an instrument. And you know, before I did the uh the school band stuff, I was, you know, taking piano lessons when I was young. Yeah. Yeah. We had a, a kind of a uh, uh, a little kid drum set that I was playing when I was like five. <laughs> so my my brother was playing electric guitar, my sister's playing piano, and I'm this little little kid who's much younger than there, and I'm I'm jamming out in the drum set. So I kind of thought that I might that might be my calling in life, but um, I kind of liked the trumpet, and then my my mom's best friend. Uh, um, had a trumpet in the attic someplace and said, Hey, this isn't being used. You know, if you're looking for an instrument, of course, you know, money's, money's tight. So the price is right for that one. Yeah. So, hey, you can use this. And so my first attempt at a sound was uh, no sound. So uh, like most kids, I'm like, how do I do that? So, so like, <laughs> I didn't, I had no idea what I was doing. So <laughs> did you get hour. instruction in the trumpet though? Once you had it. In oh hand? yeah. Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Is that through the elementary school instructional program that you, yeah. that Daryl used to teach in at some point? Yeah. Yep. Great. Grade five beginning band. So, yeah. So someone uh, told you how to make a bit more sound, but I'm sure you had some natural talent you have to because i've heard you play all through those years <laughs> and that's not just the mechanics that's that's someone who has such uh synergy with with the instrument and with the, the trumpet part in the various song that it's like natural this is this is uh what talent sounds like when it has plenty of room to play well i always tell my students i said you know i've I've been playing trumpet for like 2000 years or something like that. <laughs> they think you're that old, got a little yeah. white in your beard now. And <laughs> tell yeah. us like, it was it like, was it, did they have automobiles back then in the, <laughs> Mr. Yeah, Forrester? We didn't use pens. They gave us a chisel and hand. <laughs> um, but I always tell them, I say, look, you know, I've been playing all my life and um, I haven't learned a fraction what there is to learn. So, you know, it's a, it's a process um, that's ongoing. I, I know that today I'm I'm a better trumpet player than I was five years ago. Yeah. Uh, a better trumpet player than I was 10 years ago. Now that doesn't mean I have 
maybe the same level of endurance or the same level of confidence that I may have had at mm-hmm. a younger age, but oh, the wind, <laughs> or the wind, but you know, I, I still, you know, my, my musical maturity uh, gets me through. I'm, I'm wiser about how I, how I practice. Um, you know, I'm wiser about maybe how I take care of uh, myself when I'm trying to uh, stay in shape for the, the, the physical side of playing the instrument. That's a yeah. challenge. Definitely. And I, like you did at the Acadia uh, ensemble program, yeah. there's a lot of one song after another and you want to sound as good or better on the last piece than you, <laughs> you did on the first, you know, that's an endurance test for sure. It is. You guys are incredible to, uh, to watch in that regard. And and I want to re restate the key point you made is I've heard this in a number of the episodes that I've recorded with people, people I think are basically top of game and right away they correct me on that. No, I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm still learning. And not only that, but as I'm learning conditions change, situation change, technology changes. So even if I was totally satisfied that I was at the best at whatever it might be golf, you name something has changed in, in, in the, in the game or even in me and I'm not satisfied, but it's a wonderful itch to scratch, isn't it? Oh yeah. The, the great cellist Pablo Casals, mm-hmm. uh, uh, in played into it, I think into his nineties and somebody asked him at, at his, uh, elder years, you know, you know, you've been, why, why do you still, why do you still practice? You, you say you practice every day. And, and he said, uh, at least he's attributed this. He said, well, I feel like I'm making progress. <laughs> the, the best ever. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, this, and, and this is uh, one of the reasons that Peter Vale uh, started this quest about over 10 years ago now is all the years that he and I taught managerial leadership, which by the way, is an incredibly complex thing to be a manager, a leader, wherever, whether you're in a small town or uh, trying to govern a country, it's still incredibly complex. So we felt honor bound as, as sort of purveyors of theory to find the best theory we could of the moment and then help people bridge to the theory and then tell them to, don't go forward into, into a role that's where you're responsible for the well-being of others if you're not really ready to make a continuous study of it. We're just giving you a sampler, <laughs> similar to when you start people out in, in your music program. And uh, what 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 got into Peter's craw, stuck in his craw, as we say in Maine, was that um, we we uh, we really don't understand where someone is going in their life once they finish their time with us, and uh, and so we've got to emphasize this: we're helping you become a superb learner. And the content will somewhat take care of itself as long as you take care of the content. But that emphasis on being a self-directed, avid, hungry, uh, and uh, and restless learner is what we were hoping to cultivate in our teaching. And, and boy, I'll tell you, he did with me. 
because I'm still into this work and when I'm, I'm 80, but, um, and that's what I hear in you, Andy. And, uh, and, and as you getting together with young now, uh, music educators just coming into their careers there in Maine, it may be their first high school or their first, whatever, um, uh, they've come fresh out of school. Do you think that some of them think, well, I've spent four or so years studying this. I'm fine now. The rest is gravy. Or do you s at least urge them as the sort of the senior guy now in the field to say, keep learning, keep, keep paying attention to all the cool stuff that's going to be happening because you'll never be bored. Oh, absolutely. And I apologize for all the Ravens are kind of going nuts outside. So you're probably hearing some. No, I, I, okay. I, I think what they were saying to each other, I'll have to edit out because it's a little, <laughs> little off color, you know, those Ravens. <laughs> oh yeah. So it, it's, it's interesting. We're, we're at kind of a crossroads in education um, right now. There's a, as you're, I'm sure well aware, there's a, uh, national shortage of teachers. There's oh, yeah. teachers leaving the profession. Um, retaining teachers is very difficult. Um, as you know, it's no no surprise that teacher pay is not what it should be. And we got young people starting out in a career, and young people want things. And you know, and sometimes you know the the uh, the the wins and losses of of teaching is sometimes not enough. Um, so it, it's challenging, especially in the first five years of, of somebody becoming. Yeah. Those are I'll, crucial I'll years. It, I'll make it specific to a, a music teacher. Um, COVID, you know, we can blame a lot of things on COVID, but I think uh, educationally COVID destroyed a lot of things in, in education. It just, uh, it did. Um, I have so many colleagues who, you know, three years ago, they're like, I am close enough. I'm out. And, you know, I can't blame them. I don't blame them at all. I don't hold any ill will for people who took took the the path, the, the exit ramp. Um, that's totally fine. Um, but I'm also seeing young teachers do that, too. And that that concerns me. And Very I, troubling. Think, I think some of it is that um, there is so much uh, uh, that you don't learn in college because you can't learn in the classroom what you need to learn in the classroom. So let me, that's let me, right. Let me rephrase that. That's <laughs> so, right. There's so much that you can't learn sitting in a class. Um, and it's something that you have to learn being uh, the teacher. That's right. And, and those first few years of teaching, it's enormously hard. I just remember my first even student teaching i would come home at the at the end of the day student teaching and i'd fall asleep because I, <laughs> I was just exhausted i'm like oh my goodness and then this is what i'm going to do the rest of my life yeah. i don't know <laughs> and then you become a first year teacher and you realize oh my goodness i thought i knew everything and i feel like i know nothing but that's okay you know what what people have to realize is you know you you cannot learn all of it in college you can't learn even a fraction of what you need to know. And, you know, if I made a list of what you need to know, <laughs> what you learned in college, you know, you're talking like chapter one in a 50 volume series. And it's just, you know, you, you have to go into it knowing that, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to come out here and I'm going to do my best. 
And my goal is to be better next month than I was last month. And my goal is to be better next year than I was last year. And your goal is to make connections with kids. And it's the connections that we want, you know, whether, whether or not any of my students continue in music, um, you know, that's gravy, but that's not my purpose. My purpose is to not make the next professional player for the Boston symphony. My, my purpose is to, is to have a profound impact on a student yeah. and such that they, they leave my program being a great person. I love that. And, and it happens and, to be a great musician, you know? Yeah. And that's a nice, that's, that's good too. But they also learn how to cooperate, collaborate, have that sense that you talked about where, uh, you have to look at the across the whole ensemble you're part of and 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 get a sense of where they are so you can learn to harmonize and and literally physically socially harmonize as well as with with their instrument and uh, kids who aren't going to be the jock and get out there and learn team teamwork um, have music as a chance to learn a lot of things about their social experience and the prospects they're going to have particularly seeing someone like you who knows so many people and is so well known so they can see that uh having connections having people who understand who they are and have a even if they're only 16 or 17 they're developing a reputation a good one uh so that someone later on can say uh can you think of anyone who could do x y and z that they might get mentioned and then that opens up another opportunity believe me all those years that i worked in the university of maine at farmington around uh, those very uh sparsely populated towns i always was concerned uh, and i overcame that gradually that the people living there were quite insular and uh, not very interested in expanding their, their awareness and their mind. And I was promoting a continuing education at the university. I learned better when I finally got out there and would sit at meetings or sit down sometimes at the invitation of someone in some of those little town that they were very, very interested in what was going on. They just had no clear idea how to get from there to, you know, to our, our campus and our classrooms and whether they even be welcome. I can tell you how many times that I kind of rigged someone's high school, you know, saying, well, let her in anyway. You know, she's in her thirties. No, she didn't finish high school, but she really is motivated to take this course. So let her audit it if necessary, but get her on campus, whoever she might've been. And, uh, and then I would follow up a course and, Next thing you know, they would say, I wish she's a great student. We, how can we get her come back? Come back? What do we have to do uh, to get her uh, qualified? Uh, and I love that because that's the challenge you've had all those years with those so-called small towners uh, is to help them open their horizon. And certainly music does that. Absolutely. And along with that, you know, part, part of that development both as students and even as young teachers, um, you have to develop um, a mindset um, in which you're okay with failing. Yeah. And I, I, tell, I tell my students right from the very beginning, the first day we had beginners, I write in big letters across the board. I said, 
you cannot be afraid to fail because if if failing something paralyzes you then you're never going to be a, a, a musician because you're not going to get it right the first time you're not going to get it right maybe the first 10 or 20 or 30 times yeah but when you do get it right it's going to be so rewarding that you're oh, going to it's, a, it's a great thrill <laughs> and it's and you know people that's a hard sell for kids these days because yeah. you know yeah. They, they they want gratification instead they've been they've been so conditioned by the their phones and everything to uh, music is kind of a delayed gratification but it's so much more powerful if if you if you put in the time you know you're you're rewarded 10 times over well speaking of time i i've loved this conversation andy and i i have to uh turn off the recording and and, and Thank you. And in other ways, talk a little bit of family before we hang up. But uh, this is Andy Forster, who uh, was born and, and raised in Farmington, Maine, and became uh, good friends with our family when we moved there, when the kids were in early elementary school. And I have unceasingly admired Andy and, and his wonderful family. I could do a whole other podcast with Andy on being a ski patroller and how many years, Andy, now? I uh, just finished my 40th year. 40 years. Ski patrolling in our little mountain called Titcomb and, and beyond. But he and his dad in particular were, were amazingly uh, responsible to keep us safe on those slopes. And uh, somewhat the same kind of commitment to constant learning as a ski patroller as he does as a music educator. So thank you, Andy. Uh, it's been my pleasure to talk with you. I've, I'm honored to be asked. Thanks for listening to the Practice Podcast, where we discuss practice with a capital P. If you'd like to hear more, listen in on Spotify, Automatic, and Apple Podcasts, or go to inactionresearch.com slash podcast dash page. And if you'd like to learn more about social inaction and the nature of practice, head over to actionresearch.com for more information. Thank you for supporting this show. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Oh, and, and one more thing. How could I forget? The book On Practice as a Way of Being is available now in digital form, something that would be new, like podcasting to many of us, and it's a, a great way of learning more and more about what this podcast presented when Peter Vale and I originated it several years ago. So please come to www.mylibrary, one word, dot world slash practice, and you'll see what I mean. Thank you.